Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Hassani Jarrett is VDC engineer at Gilbane Building Company. She is also a licensed architect and a visual artist specializing in single-line drawing and painting. Her work celebrates, in her words, the strength and resilience of the Black woman. She is a graduate of University of Arizona and currently lives and works in Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Asani. Thank you, Emily. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled to have you. You just recently joined our Hazard Girls Facebook group, and that's how we discovered you. <laughs> so you found us, but we discovered you. It was so cool because you you shared in the group a little bit about your yourself and your artwork. And so you are an artist, and we're going to talk about that, you know, about your work and your process and your purpose a little bit in this podcast. But before we do that, I want to find out a little bit more about you, who you are. Where did you grow up? So I grew up on the south side of Chicago. It was just me and my mom. I never met my dad. So my mother has such a huge impact on me. And growing up in Chicago, that's where my love for architecture stemmed from. I live in Philadelphia. And so I get that because the architecture is just all around you all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you leave, and then you come back, you realize how much you missed it, right? So what were some of the buildings in Chicago, like the types of buildings that inspired you? Ooh, I mean, definitely, I know it's called the Willis Tower, but it will always be the Sears Tower for me. That was definitely an iconic building growing up. I mean, even in school, we talked about the structure of it because it was once the tallest structure that was ever built at some point in the US. And that was very iconic. And then of course, like you have the Hancock, Tower, and then you have Frank Lloyd Wright's work throughout Chicago as well. So it was just so much different, so many different aspects of like brick and stone, steel. And you could start to see too, at least I, I started to notice a lot of the, I guess, the, the shift in material downtown. You could start to see a little bit of where the change came from. And then it's also awesome learning about how the Bauhaus movement really impacted the Chicago skyline. So I could go on and on. But <laughs> I can tell you're passionate about it. And how did you learn about this? Was it just from, was it from being in school and your teachers taught you or, or did you just walk around the city? It was definitely a lot about walking around in the city. My mom would take me to different places and she would tell me tidbits. She didn't know I was interested in architecture. I didn't even know, but she would tell me certain things about buildings. We were always in museums and I will never forget this day. I was in, I believe I was in my senior year of high school or 12th grade. And I was having a conversation with one of my classmates. And she told me about architecture because we were like, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to start studying? And I was telling her what I was interested in. And she was like, man, like, why don't you check out the Chicago, the Chicago Architectural Foundation? And I was like, what? And so I looked it up. They have student programs and everything. So I started to go there and I started to really like delve into what architecture and construction was about. And that's where I was like, okay, this is 
exactly what I want to get myself into. This is before you even went to college. You realized this? That's great. I mean, I'm not, not many people know what they want to do before they go to college. Some do, but yeah, that, that's great that you early on realized that. And it was so influenced by where you, where you were living and where you were growing up. Okay. So you went to University of Arizona. That's where you went to college, right? And yes. were you studying, did you end up studying architecture there? Yes. So the University of Arizona has this amazing five-year NAB accredited program. And I know a lot, I get all the time that people are like, you went from Chicago to the desert. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. It was such a different way of thinking about design. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. You know, even the desert, it gets really cold. I didn't, you know, I've never lived there. I didn't, I didn't know. I was like, oh, no, it's hot. Mm-hmm. But no, there's diurnal shifts within the temperature and you have to know how to design for that too. So that program was awesome. It was very hands-on. During my fourth year, myself, and I believe it was about, a, I believe it was a, about eight or nine of us, we designed and built a single family home for a family in need. So, oh, yeah, great program. What was that experience like? Oh my goodness. At first it was very stressful because we managed the budget. We actually had to look into procurement. We had to get funding. So we're talking to the mayor, we're talking to city officials. And then we had to actually, you know, we were used to designing. That's all we did in architecture school was designing, looking at structure, but now we have to build it. Now we have to actually make it constructible. So it was a very challenging, but rewarding experience. And as a team, we, we were able to see each other's strengths and build from it. And we really, we really put all our heads together and we, we did it. So I was super excited and, and proud of our team. That's awesome. And you gave the house, the house was for a family that needed it. So that yeah. you get that rewarding feeling as well and are able to help yeah. someone. So is that common for architecture programs to actually go that deep into the construction aspect of things? Very few. I know the University of Arizona is very, it's well known for it, a couple in Kansas, but not too many architecture schools are known for doing that. Well, I talked to a lot of architects, as you might imagine, you know, for the podcast and just in general, and I haven't really heard anyone describe that type of program that they went through. So that's really interesting. Sounds like a, a great program. Okay. So when you, you finish school, so you do this project, you finish school, did you have a job right out of school? Yes. And what what kind of job was it? So it was actually a design build opportunity. So after doing the project, the design build project in school, that's when I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I really, really love. So I started looking for jobs that same year because that was our fourth year. So we had fifth year and then we graduated. So I was like, I want to start being proactive now. So my first job after graduation was at a design build firm in Florida. So three days after I graduated, I was on the plane moving to Florida. <laughs> so that's how you ended up in Florida. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, you've been, and then now you've been there for like, what, six years? Yes. Okay. So your first job out of school, did you like it? What, what was your experience like? I loved it. I was out in the field. I actually got a lot of like CA experience, which was great because I, I already had quite a bit of experience like working on construction documents as an intern during school. So it was really cool to actually go out and get my hands dirty. It was also a manufacturing company. So I also had some time working on like rebar, tying rebar and actually building concrete 
like precast walls. So it was it was really cool. It was a really great experience. Uh, I was there for about three and a half years working on a lot of multi-residential projects. You know, we have Disney and Universal, so projects for, for those two companies are really fun. I, you know, uh, when you said Orlando, that was the first thing I thought of. I, <laughs> I didn't want to be stereotypical about like, it has to be Disney, but <laughs> it was, all, right? But some of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're okay. So you're in Florida. You're working in design build. This is your first job. What what would you say your experience was like as far as being a woman in the field? Were there other women there working there with you? There were. I want to say it was a good, oh, close to a fifty fifty split. Let me back up. It was a good fifty fifty split for in office, not on the field. On the field, totally different. Yeah. In the office, I definitely felt more seen and heard. When I was on the field, you know, they would just overlook me. A, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman. I'm young, you know, fresh out of school. So they're just like, what are you going to do? So it was a challenge to not only represent myself, but to confidently represent myself when I was on the field. But I will say in office, it was a pretty, it was almost 50-50. That's interesting. And it's good. But I understand when you get out in the field, you know, the, everything changes. The environment shifts. It's a different vibe. I have, I work in truck. My background is in trucking. So I completely get that. And just like even, even getting renovations of my house and working with contractors, I feel that vibe, you know, that, that vibe of like, you don't know what you're talking about. So that's some, that's like the common challenge I think a lot of us face. And so I was curious about how it was at your business. And then, and then you, you moved from that job into your current job. No. So I moved. That design build job to a more, I guess, traditional architectural firm, but it was a more specialized architectural firm. It was really interesting working on public safety architecture. So emergency operation centers, fire stations, police departments. So it was really interesting because that's when I really learned how to hone in on detail because, you know, now we're not looking at a framed wall. We're looking at a framed wall that has a ballistic rating so that if someone were to, you know, try and shoot up the place, it's scary to think about, but it's like, oh my goodness, I have to start thinking about different security type of of design. So that was a really interesting way of thinking. (laughs) And that's really where the engineering aspect of things started to come into play for you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, so, all right, so you were there for a while and then, and then the next job was your job at Gilbane? Yes. Okay, so talk to us about what you're doing there. What's your day-to-day like? So I am a VDC engineer. VDC means um, virtual design and construction. And so I am basically the facilitator of a team of engineers and subcontractors and, 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 and of course, our internal team with our project engineer and our project manager. I basically facilitate the group and solving problems to make sure that the building is constructible. So I am like the keeper of a 3D model and we in real time are going into the model and populating all the piping, the mechanical duct work, the gas lines, everything. And we are making sure that when we produce shop drawings from this model, it is constructible. When we you know, pass on our shop drawings to the field. Our field team knows exactly what to do. Everything's going to fit. You know, the spaghetti mess that we once had is now all clean and ready to, you know, be fabricated and installed. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And so, 
so day to day of your job. So you, you go into the office, you, I mean, I'm asking because a lot of time, a lot of our audience is like curious about different careers and they want to know what it's like, you know, as an architect, as an engineer, are you in mostly in the office now? Yes. Okay. So you're, do you ever get out to the field? I do. So I do a lot of laser scanning for project, for renovation projects that we have. Also, there are opportunities to go and do drone work. So we, we do get out. Like I, I do have opportunities to, to get on the field every now and then, which is nice. What would you say is just not only in this job, but just looking back, because we're going to, we're going to switch topics and talk about your art in a moment. But before we do that, what would you say is your biggest challenge that you face, I guess, throughout starting maybe in when you got into architecture all the way through to today, what was your biggest challenge and how have you overcome it or have you overcome it? That is a good question. I'll start with my, when I first got out of college, one of the main challenges was my age. And I'm the type of person that will, I am so determined and driven towards goals. I will keep at it and progress as much as I can. But I was starting to get a lot of pushback um, because unfortunately, in my this is just my opinion, I feel like the architecture profession is still stuck in an old way of, of thinking. And I feel like that is detrimental for younger generations entering into the field because we my generation thinks differently. Younger generations are thinking even more radically and differently. Like I mentor 11th and 12th grade students who are interested in architecture and design and the way they are thinking, I'm like, I was not even close to that type of mindset at that age. So when they enter the work into the you know professional world, it's going to be totally different. So my challenge when I first entered was having to battle this old way of thinking, this old system, you know, of hierarchy. And when you talk about the old system, are you talking about kind of, and maybe this isn't what you mean, but that's why I'm asking the mentality, the kind of like old school mentality that it's all like older white men in charge of everything. And you have to kind of like fight for your position as a woman, fight for your position as a minority person. Is that what you mean? Yes. That and that you need like, you know, 15 plus years because, you know, it took me that long. And it's like, it's, it's not the same for everybody, but yes, you're definitely hitting on the head. Yeah. And I, the age thing really, especially for women, I think really plays in to, you know, trying to find your foothold and have people take you seriously and on the job. So for me too, that was the most challenging part of my career being younger. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a challenge that I did overcome. The new challenge I'm facing is I would say like more of a racial thing and, and, and how to manage, what am I trying to say? Like how to overcome me being a double minority in a very progressive field, like maintaining my voice, you know, I, I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, but no, it makes sense. Like you, if, because you can't just, maybe someone else can float, float around the job and just do their work and do the job and not speak up if they don't feel like speaking up and everything's hunky dory. But being a woman, being black, whatever your differences are, you then have that much more work, you know, work that you have to do in order to compete in, in the workplace, right? 
Right, right. Especially with companies, you know, the diversity and inclusion, they're always thrown around, but it goes more, it, it goes beyond hiring people of, of color and of different, you know, ethnic or racial backgrounds. So, yeah. Right. It's part of the challenge. It's like very, there's so many aspects to the challenge. Getting the people in the door is only a small part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you feel like, are there more more people, more women and minorities coming into the field? I do see it. Yes. I would say yes. However, I'm not sure about retention. Especially with women, that's an issue. It's a, I mean, it, it's a, lot, a huge part of that. Studies have shown that the huge part of that is because women tend to leave when during the years that they want to have children, they're not, they're not finding the workplace friendly for a family environment for having, you know, for raising a family. So I'm sure that's a huge part of it as well. So do you, it's one of the things I always wonder about is there's so much, like you mentioned, there's so much DEI now, right? Like there's so much DEI, there's so many DEI departments at various companies. Does your company have one, first of all? Yes. Okay. Do you see these DEI departments? Are they able to make a difference? Yes, I think they are. And what's interesting too about Gilbane is that we have these organizations called ERGs and they're groups so that employees can join to better progress whatever whatever area that's in. And I'm, I'm in the one called Ujima and it's about increasing diversity within the company. So it's it's really interesting. And we actually meet once a year. Or if you're a local leader, there's a conference every year. We actually just had one two weeks ago and we were discussing these types of topics and how to push, you know, business development further in in regards to like inclusion and, and diversity and equality. Like so it yeah, definitely are opportunities. And I think that at least for Gil Bain, I, I, I do see that positive change can happen. And I know like you are talking a lot about how that's your biggest challenge right now. A lot of it is just the culture that you're working in, right? And how um, it has its challenges. And one of the ways I think that you have been dealing with this is through your artwork, right? Because you're an artist and I asked you, you know, <laughs> before like what, how much of your, like how much of your, working hours are on your art and how much you, you don't have to answer this because I don't want your company to go, Oh, wait a minute. She's not, she's spending <laughs> much time on her art, but like, are you, are you devoting a lot of time to this? Yes, I am. I love, it brings me a lot of joy. It brings me a lot of joy actually painting and drawing, but also connecting with people who see my art, who resonate with my art, actually feel something with it. That's what really fuels my fire. And, having an art business, you know, in the free time that I have, I'm going to make it work because this is what really brings me joy. So can you describe your work to, for our audience? Because we, I guess we'll, we'll definitely post some photos if you'd like, if you'd like to share them, but can you describe to us what your work is like? Yeah. So it's, it's a mix of like technical and artistic. I think it's that my architectural background blending with my VDC engineering experience now, but it's, called continuous one line art. So I never lift my hand as I draw or as I paint until it's finished. So it's a really fun and it, it takes some mental work. A lot of people are like, oh, do you look at a reference photo? Do you, you know, lay it out first? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I just go for it. So I'm thinking as I'm drawing and 
you can definitely see in my work where I slow down and where I speed up. So it's really fun. And like you said, I am always drawing women of color. I didn't really realize that until last year when I like, you know, stepped back and looked at some of my work. I was like, man, I'm always drawing like women. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? And it's because of the impacts that women is more specific, more specifically women of color have had in my life. My mother being a prime example, you know, watching her grow up again, I never grew, I never knew my father, but I never felt the absence of not knowing my father because of my mom. And then next thing you know, I'm surrounding myself with other women who resemble my mom, strong, resilient, you know, powerful. And I just love telling the stories through my artwork and yeah. (laughs) So your medium is drawing. So like, do you, what do you draw with? It's funny you ask. I used to draw a lot and I would use micron pens on archival paper and I would do, you know, small 11 by 17, 8 by, or yeah, 11 by 17s or 8 by 10s. Now <laughs> I haven't, I mean, I still sketch, but now I don't really draw as much. I'm painting so much more. Now. I've gone huge and people are like, oh my gosh, this is so unlike you, but I love it, you know, and it's that challenge and just, I just love experimenting and challenging and pushing myself more. So now I'm actually using color. I used to never, I was so afraid of color. I was like, color, no, black and white. That's it. Now I'm like, color, 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 give me all the color. And yeah. <laughs> so the, the style you said, it's continuous one line drawing is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And what is the idea behind it? That, that you're challenging yourself to create a work? Is that, what is it? Is it about the challenge? Is it about just the way it turns out? I love the challenge. It started for me, it started with the challenge. I was like, what can I do with one continuous line? It doesn't have to necessarily close on itself, but what can I do without lifting my hand? And I was like, that would be cool. And then it started to become more of a artistic, artistic language where my, my, my style started to have this, this type of form. You know, and I was like, oh, man, I've never seen this before. Because even with the style, the style is pretty prominent. But my type of style, you don't see. And I've, I've gotten a lot of that. And I, I didn't really, it, it just transformed the more I practiced. By doing this, you've, re- you've been able to create your own signature look in your work. Yes. Do you see a connection between architecture and the art that you do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I with the line work and like the more technic, I guess, technicality of, of how the lines interact with each other. I definitely see that. <laughs> Get inspired by architecture and you're in the drawings. I know you're inspired by the women, the strong women in your life, yeah. which is a huge part of it. And why really all about what your mission is about and doing your art, but what did you get inspired by buildings? Not necessarily buildings, but the impacts of architecture on like socioeconomic statuses, if that makes sense. There's a couple of pieces that I have. There's one in particular, one of my favorites, that's like my baby, it's called Don't Redline Me. And it's about the impacts of redlining. And there's actually a woman there in the center of the drawing, it's a woman. And below her is a city that is divided due to redlining. But her- Can you explain what redlining is to the audience? Oh, yeah, yeah. So redlining, it was a form of practice used back in the day where bankers and real estate agents, you know, people in real estate and and, and planning and development, 
they would literally take a red marker and they would mark on a plan or, or, or a city, you know, a plan of, of the city where they did not want certain classes to go. Like, oh, keep the middle class here. Keep this area where the poor, Hispanic, Blacks, that's going to be their area. And so that's what redlining was. That's an, that was an old practice that was sanctioned? It was allowed? Yep. And I cannot remember the date, but there was a, man, I cannot remember the year it was, um, it became illegal, but now it is illegal. But yeah, it was allowed. So your art is really, some of it's about about that concept and about protesting, protesting that. So in a way it's, you know, when you said you're, it's about strong, resilient Black women, I mean, in a way that's already political, but you're also delving into even more political topics, right? Yeah. Is there, is there a common theme that connects all your pieces? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And for me, at least for me, my, the common theme and that I try to portray in all of my pieces is telling a story visually. And so that's the name of my business is Visceries, which is visual and stories, the words visual and stories put together. And it's because I, I want to tell stories through my artwork and quick backstory on to why that is, is because of my architectural background. My last year in school was about architecture through storytelling, because I feel like our built landscape with the people tells a story of our, our of architectural design. So that's where all this really grew from. Yeah. I mean, I think as career women, when we do different things in our careers, and I'm talking a little bit about myself because I have like different aspects like trucking, law, but I talked to all the women I talked to seem to have this as well. And from the outside, it looks like, well, there's no connection in what they're doing. You know, they're artists and, and then like engineer, there's no connection there, but it's, if you really look into it, it is right. There's such a connection. It's kind of like where everything joins together and that's how it starts to make sense <laughs> for me. I feel like that's what you're describing. So what, what do you, would you say is your overarching mission? Oh man. So my overarching mission is to continue to empower women of color through my art and Eventually, I do want to become or become a physical space. Like I want Visceries to actually be in a brick and mortar space where it can serve for other minority artists and also where I can host workshops for women and women of color who just need that sense of empowerment and belonging. That's amazing. Thank that's you. great. Do you have, so that is that is that like your five year plan? <laughs> Do you have a an idea? Yes. Hopefully, oh, that's great. Okay, so let us. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you now? I know that we don't have the brick and mortar yet, but it's coming, right? But where <laughs> where can they find your work now? Yeah, they can find my work. Visceries. It's V I S O R I E S on all platforms. Instagram website is www.visceries.com. Facebook, YouTube, don't look too far on YouTube <laughs> and TikTok, okay. all the social media platforms. And of course, you can find me also on LinkedIn at uh, Tasani Durrett. Tasani Durrett, architect and visual artist. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the Hazard Girls podcast and for your beautiful mission to empower women, especially Black women through your art. We appreciate you so much. And we're so glad that you found us in the Hazard Girls group. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for the opportunity. 
You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.